0: Conair Bomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Bomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you.
1: We all know how important it is to get a good night's sleep. I know that if I don't sleep for eight hours a night, I am not as sharp. From memory foam mattresses that hug in all the right places to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support at every price point. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash chelsea for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash chelsea.
2: Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find try this from the Washington Post wherever you listen.
3: This is your moment. Your time to shine. Your comeback.
1: Hi, everybody. It's me, Chelsea, and Catherine. Hello. Hi. How are you, Catherine?
2: Oh, I'm good. I actually got a little chance to rest and relax over the weekend, which was really nice, and watched some shows and hung out with my husband, and it was really lovely.
1: I have been watching Yellowstone because my girlfriend, Wendy Grillo, is in it, and everyone in Whistler watches the show Yellowstone. (laughs) So I am on season two or three, and I think there's four. Are you liking it? Very, very soap operatic.
2: A lot of soap opera stuff is happening on that show. Okay. And I'm down with it. Awesome. I know. I've been thinking about watching it. My parents really like it, but like my dad's really into Western stuff anyway. I mean, I like Western stuff too, but everyone is talking about it. I'm not
1: as into Western stuff. Like My friends here was like, I just love the landscape. I'm like, really? It just seems like so fucking boring living on a ranch and... Just drinking. I mean, I, the drinking part, obviously, I could get down with, but the cattle and then the horse breaking horses. I'm just like, ugh. But speaking of breaking horses, Joe is mm-hmm. possibly bringing Bert and Bernice back for a ten day sabbatical <gasps> up here in Whistler because last oh. year I had them the whole season and they were not down with it. Mm-hmm. They did not yeah. like being stuck in like a house without access to the outdoors. They're used to their luxurious, leisurely lifestyle in Los Angeles. And Mm -hmm. so we're thinking about bringing them up for like 10 days just so I could see them and maybe give them a second Mm -hmm. shot at snow. I feel like with Joe's co-parenting, I could really hit it out of the park because he's been really (laughs) helpful like with the laundry, with the cleaning. I don't know what I did last year, but he's, and if I had to take the dogs for a walk, he would definitely be really helpful in that department too. So I just feel like I'm I'm a member of a Two person team now instead of a one person team.
2: Isn't that lovely? Oh, that's just great. And Bert has already
1: started calling him uh, dad.
2: I was going to say you guys aren't married but like he's your house spouse he's like the guy you know yeah
1: and he's much better at things like domestic stuff than I am so it really works although I did make him I make him scrambled eggs a lot in the morning and that's the one thing I can hit out of the park but every time I make them that's he's great. like oh, I can't believe it you can do something <laughs> and I'm like stop it you know I can make scrambled eggs well hold on a second what are you looking for honey yeah go for it oh you don't have it
3: it's, it's somewhere right here You're somewhere.
1: I'd like to go on the record and say that Joe is the only person that would look for his passport 20 minutes before he's leaving for something. (laughs) If I was leaving, I would have my passport the night before. Well, somebody would have it. Let's be honest, I wouldn't find it. But I mean, he is unbelievable. He probably doesn't even know he's going to the airport in 20 minutes. Do you know you're going to the airport, honey? And where are you going when you get to the airport? Sorry. Uh, yeah, I feel like I'm definitely more powerful as part of a couple than I am by myself <laughs> in the parenting department, the domesticity and parenting department.
2: <laughs> That's great. And it'll be just nice to have the dogs there. And Chelsea, I actually have an update. A few weeks ago, we had an email from someone whose child had kissed their friend without consent, and it created a huge rift between her and her best friend, the mom and her best friend, and between the children as well. But a dad wrote in who has had similar experience, and he says, Dear Chelsea, I just listened to your episode where you gave advice to the mom with the son who was sexually inappropriate with one of his friends. As a parent with a child with behavioral issues, there is help out there. The mom should find a therapist that specializes in family therapy and problem sexual behavior. Even though the young boy has committed the offense, her whole family is affected and needs help not only working on the specifics of consent, but also with helping to set boundaries and finding what the underlying issues are that led to this situation. We used some great workbooks specifically geared toward children. A quick Google or Amazon search on consent for kids shows quite a few resources. I would suggest the therapist has some go-to tools as well. Additionally, many therapists also use something called restorative justice, which could include writing an apology letter to the victim. This may help the mom with mending her relationship with her friend if she shares and includes her in the plan and the outcome of therapy. Lastly, the mom may be concerned about what this means for her son as he develops into a teen and adult. There was a study done in 2012 by the Association for the Treatment of Sexual Abusers that found that adolescents who offended once and found treatment were highly unlikely to repeat their offense. It's just so important for her to get professional help for her son and her family so this doesn't become a repeat behavior. Hope this is helpful. Don.
1: Oh, wow. Well, that's good to know. That's a good resource. Thank you, Don, for writing in. And thanks. Yeah. yeah, Thanks for paying attention. I would never want to be. I mean, that must be so hard to be a mother that has to deal with that. And when it's your own child doing that, you know.
2: And I'm sure you just feel from Don that he felt that isolating situation when he went through it and wanted to reach out. So I just wanted to share that with everybody.
1: Oh, well, thank you for sharing. Should we
2: introduce our guest for today?
1: So our guest today is another stand-up comedian. You may know her from her Netflix special, which is called Quarter Life Crisis. Her name is Taylor Tomlinson. She has an Instagram series called New Couple Gets Quarantined with her boyfriend, Sam And she also has a podcast called Sad in the City and a new Netflix special that is coming out soon. So please welcome Taylor Tomlinson. Hi, Taylor. Hello. It's nice to finally meet you.
4: Nice to meet you. Thank you for having me. I know. I can't believe we've never met. We have met so briefly when I was much younger that you would not remember for any reason.
1: As my boyfriend, Joe Coy, likes to remind me, I don't have a memory past six weeks <laughs> or six months, depending on the topic and the person. So I wouldn't remember anyway, but it's nice to see you. I know you, and I loved your special, Quarter Life Crisis on Netflix. I loved that special. And I've been loving your series with your boyfriend, Sam Morrill, about, am I saying that right? Moral? Morrill?
5: Uh-huh.
1: Morals. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to call him Sam Morals.
4: <laughs> Sam Morrill, Yeah. <laughs>
1: Which is called New Couple Gets Quarantined. So you were in a new relationship, I know, during quarantine, which has now gone on for, I don't know, almost two years.
4: Yeah, that was a little web series we did during lockdown. That kept us busy during those first few months of terror, for sure, because we're both workaholics. So we couldn't just stop (laughs) and go, oh, look, a break.
1: Right. Well, that's probably what a lot of couples should have done is just started recording themselves. Right. So that there was an eyewitness account to everyone's behavior. I think it's a really solid (laughs) idea.
4: It is. It really is. Uh, (laughs) And I mean, we did a podcast, too, during that time. I saw you had Rosebud Baker on and she and her husband, Andy Haynes, started one and they're still doing it and i was like man we crapped out as soon as the world opened back up again we were like that was just <laughs> a coping mechanism for us they've really they've really built something blasting yeah they've
1: really sunk it into it because also i think her husband just got covid right and so she had to quarantine with him again
4: oh and wow
1: yeah yeah so they're just they just keep quarantining and quarantining and with every <laughs> new variant they have another they have another 10 days together
4: yeah we we have not gotten covid That we know of, I guess. Did you get COVID?
1: I have not gotten COVID yet, no. Isn't that
4: crazy? Are you surprised? We're like, we don't know how we haven't gotten it at this point.
1: Normally, I would consider myself to be some sort of super spreader, so I am very surprised (laughs) by
4: the fact that I haven't
1: caught it or given it to several people because- Especially in the beginning. And now I've lost interest in even trying to protect myself. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to get it and get it over with so that I have some higher level of immunity. But I got I'm in Whistler, Canada right now. And I got here and my girlfriend was just recuperating from COVID. And I was like, you know what, I'm coming over. I don't care. She's like, She goes, I might still be infectious. And I was like, okay, I have a test kit. We'll, we'll test you. And we get over there and Joe tests her. And he looks at me, he goes, Chelsea, she's positive.
4: <laughs> and You're we're like, I it. know, <laughs> lick my face. <laughs> I know, I'm
1: like, who cares? And we're in her garage. I'm like, I'm triple vax. I've got my booster. I'm like, whatever, let's just get it already. And we're in her garage. And so we're all, you know, she's wearing a mask. We're standing like far apart. The door's open. It was so stupid. And then finally I was like, it's cold, you know, because it's snowy and everything. And she put on a space heater and then she shut the garage door and shows like, hey, this is getting a little bit much like now we're just <laughs> trying. to. It's just like a culture swab of us all trying to get sick, but we still didn't get it. So I don't know wow. if there's blood types that are not getting it. Like, I think, you know, oh, blood type doesn't isn't as susceptible.
4: Yeah, that's what they said. I think that's the only thing that I've been like, is that a thing? Because I think I'm O.
1: Yeah, so I, I think most people are oh, so I, that doesn't really add up either. But who fucking cares? I normally I'm, I consider myself to be some sort of medical doctor, so I should have more information on these things. But I've lo- I, my passion for COVID has lapsed. I don't yeah. I, I don't have the same passion for it as I used to.
4: Yeah, I don't feel like actual doctors go around going, "I'm a medical doctor."
1: Yeah, they don't have to introduce themselves the way that I do to get people to take me seriously in the medical field.
4: So, I want to talk to you
1: about. Well, let's talk first about your stand up experience coming up because you're from LA,
4: right? I'm from California now. Yeah, yeah, not LA proper, but I'm from California. Where? I grew up up by like Sacramento until I was like 10. And then I was in Riverside County from the time I was like 10 till college, if you know where Temecula is.
1: Oh, unfortunately, I do. <laughs> I perform there in Temecula, I believe. At the That's, casino? Yes, of course. Yeah. all casinos all the time
4: (laughs) yeah they've got a big they got a big beautiful theater there
1: Mm -hmm. you've performed there too I'm sure right
4: not the theater I have not performed in the theater I think I did the club there which Mm -hmm. I don't even know if that's still open I I mean I will never perform in Temecula if I can help it (laughs) Just there are, there are a lot there. of places
1: where I performed once and said I'll never perform there again and then found myself there either this last year or the year before going, wait, I thought I crossed this off the fucking list. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And then you get there and you're like, you feel you like because the audiences are so appreciative when people come through the kind of like less inviting cities. The audiences mm-hmm. are awesome. So you leave there with the feeling of like, yeah, I want to show up for these people. Like, yeah. And then a month goes by and you're like, I really can't go back there.
4: <laughs> right, right. But Temecula is so funny because it's an hour drive from San Diego and it's like two hours from L.A. And I'm kind of like, guys, drive to a cooler place yeah, to see exactly. a thing. Like Baja. Yeah, yeah. just go, you know, it's, it's not that far. But I think Temecula is like, it's like a great place to have a family, I guess. But if you're like... 20s. I'm like, what are you doing here, guys? Right.
1: So you came from a really like conservative background? Is that mm-hmm. how you grew up? Religious?
4: Yeah, I grew up super religious, very Christian.
1: Oh, so how yeah. does that how did that all work out for you as you came into your own and your stand-up <laughs> career? When did you kind of um Well, no, you tell me. Did you break ties with religion?
4: Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's weird because the way I started doing stand-up is I started when I was a junior in high school and I actually started by taking a class from like a Christian church comic. And so I was like performing in churches before I could perform in clubs because I wasn't 18 yet. And then even once I started performing in clubs, I did Last Comic Standing and they kind of like painted me as like a church comic because it was a new thing they could do. And so then I was doing churches a little bit longer up until I was probably 21, 22 is when I did like the last couple and the last church gig I had was like opening for some huge church comedian and they fired me for a tweet and I was like I'm never doing this again. I like I don't care what the offer is. I don't care what the money is cuz there's a lot of money in church comedy and I was like I can't I can't pretend to be this person because church comedy they want you to be a Christian like they want you to be that thing all the time there's no like here's my church set and here's my club set like you got to be that always and I just wasn't I just didn't think I was a Christian and I was dealing with how I grew up and and my relationship with my parents and whatnot so that was kind of the moment I think I cut ties with all of it at once
1: yeah I would think performing comedy in a church is very
2: limiting yeah.
4: Yes. You can't do yes. that
2: joke about how your dad didn't want to fuck you.
4: Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. That apply. was not super church friendly. And that's why I left. I wanted to talk oh. about my dad not wanting to fuck me <laughs> and they just weren't cool about it. Yeah. And yeah. I said this is the last straw for me.
1: Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, you're not the only one. I mean, that's where <laughs> I think that's where all comedians <laughs> start. Somebody in the family wanted to fuck you and we weren't down with it and that's where our humor comes from. Uh. So what's your relationship now like with your parents? Because they're still religious, right?
4: They're still religious. I uh my mom died when I was a kid, and my dad and my stepmom, I don't speak to them anymore. Oh really? But they're still very religious. Yeah, they're still very religious. And do you
1: not speak to them because of this? Because of your career and because of you leaving the church?
4: No, that's a that's definitely an aspect of it. I mean, you know, it's it's hard to to go into because you you know, you never wanna like put people on blast in your life no matter what they've done because they're not in this world and they're not in this public space and they're not public figures like we are but yeah there were there are things beyond that that were issues that i was finally like oh i have to cut ties with this person but yeah it all comes from a place of like this is a person who grew up with religion is sort of a slave to that belief system in a way that is not healthy. I think a lot of people, a lot of people in my family are religious and are like incredible, loving, forgiving, amazing people who use religion in a way that is beautiful. And they they love other people in the way that I think Christianity at its best is is meant to encourage. But then there are other people who don't use religion in that way, and they use it to intimidate and scare people and, quite frankly, abuse people. So I would never want it to sound like I'm painting with this broad brush about anybody who is religious because I know it it is such a lifeline for so many people and, and something that makes a lot of people better human beings. But that was not the case with my specific parental situation. Mm-hmm.
1: Understood. Understood. Well, it's bold move to cut yeah. ties with any family members. It's not an easy thing to do. And we discuss it on this show all the time. Because people are always calling in, like, and I'm always like, Yeah, fuck your family. You know, they don't deserve right. you. <laughs> and mean and that's coming from somebody who has really close ties with my whole family. I've never been in a situation where my family judged me in that way. You know, I would have been out the door a long time ago had that been the case. So I think it is it's it's gotta be a painful thing and it's gotta be it's It's a strong decision, so I respect it. Let's talk about your, because when I came up as a female, this is the question that I always got asked. Which was so annoying at the time, but upon reflection, and now that I'm older, I'm in my 40s, I get it. Because people would always ask me how difficult it was to be a woman, you know, in a male-dominated field, which is basically every field. And I always just thought I didn't see it that way, you know. I saw it as an advantage. It was sparser for women, so it was easier to stand out, especially if you were cute and if you were out, you know, outspoken and you were loud and you kind of had all of that going for you. It was easy to get recognized, and it was easy to get noticed and I always I didn't have any regard for what the male comics were doing or what they thought of me or any of that you know and I I did feel that there was a lot more competition or kind of doors shut from other women rather than from the men you know women in powerful positions women in booking positions or in executive positions so I'm curious to know since you're a lot younger than me what your experience was like coming up after you left doing church comedy how did you see it?
4: It's interesting because I feel the same way you do. I felt like being a female was something that helped you stand out. I was also clean for like the first five years or something. So that helped me stand out as well. I want to say Amy Schumer said this. I might be misquoting her, but somebody said this where somebody asked, is it harder to be a female comic? And she was like, it's just harder to be female. Like it's, it's not that it's harder to be a female comedian. It's just harder to be a female. And I think the hardest parts about, being a female comedian just came from like being on the road and it being unsafe, like having people try to like break into your hotel rooms. Cause they see that you're 21 and you're in this hotel. That's like in the middle of nowhere. And you checked in alone. Like those were the hardest parts is just like constantly trying not to get murdered on the road. But as far as like the industry, it's funny you say that about having doors closed by other women. I do think that, there are male comics not all male comics but i do think there are male comics male bookers who do this thing where they will compliment the female comic in front of them in a way that makes us feel like we are in competition with each other where they go you're the best one mm. like you're the good one like who can touch you of female comics like Even now, like, I get male comics saying, like, you're the best female comic in this class of whatever, and you're like, why can't you just say you're a really good comic? Like, why can't you just say, like, you're killing it, you're doing really well. Like, they're always comparing us. And not all male comics, on all male bookers, whatever, but there are certain, certain people who do that, and women too, frankly, in this business. And I do think because we're this smaller pool, within this male-dominated field, it just makes sense for them to go, you are doing better than this person or you're doing as well as this person or you're going to be the next this person as opposed to just seeing us as a comedian without the added context.
1: Yeah, well, I think, I mean, and we do it to ourselves. I remember coming up and when I had doors that were shut by other women, I was like, wait a second, this doesn't make any sense because all I wanted to do it actually lit a fire under my ass when I had an opportunity to help other women. It was the first thing I wanted to do because I was like, oh, wait, this is a shit show out there. Our mindset has been structured in the same way. It's, it's like, oh, it's, it's, there's only room for a certain amount of us. But now I just feel like there are so many female comics that are crushing it. The conversation must have shifted and must be changing. And do you think it is?
4: I think so. I mean, there are just so many more female comics. And I mean, people like you who have been so successful and did kind of come up in a time where there were maybe less female comics, that has made a huge difference. And so, yeah, I think it's definitely far easier and far better to come up in this business right now as a female comic. And it is still an advantage, I think, in my mind. I think that's the only aspect of it that still makes my skin crawl a little bit when people talk to me like, you're one of the good ones, you know. Like it's it's there's still some of that, and I think it's left over. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's I don't think it's the norm anymore. I think it's just left over.
1: And how did you get together with your boyfriend, Sam? Just
4: doing comedy. I mean, I don't do anything else. So this is <laughs> this is what happens. Uh, I think he had sent me a couple DMs just about like my late night sets. Like, hey, you're very good. And obviously, he's an incredible joke writer, and everyone respects him so much. So. Getting messages from comics you respect is always very nice. And we just started talking and became friends and started dating a number of months before quarantine hit. And I feel like we have been together for a very long time because of that. I think if you were together during quarantine, you feel like you have a much longer history than... Maybe you do. Yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, it's an extended period of time on top of a period of time. It feels like twice the duration of what it was. I had never dated a comic before I started dating Joe Coy. Never once.
4: I I was going to ask you. Yeah. I think
1: I slept with Tom Rhodes. He's a comic. That was the only comedian I slept with. Or maybe... Was there another one? Anyway, I didn't have a lot of experience with male comments because I just found them to be gross, quite frankly. So funny. <laughs> my cousin just sent me a text. She goes, I read this word today and it reminded me of you. And it said, it's misandrist, somebody who despises men. <laughs> and I go, oh my God, it's so terrible. And she's like, I go, well, you know, I don't despise men, but I just can't stop fucking banging on about how much shit they've gotten away with, you know? And so, and, and the way that they've treated women and, you know, Forced, like, I hate that they've it's not even their fault, it's society's fault. You know, this whole construct is now nobody's fault. But I just want people, when you wake up, to know the truth. You know what I mean? Wake up to the reality of what's happening. Don't resist what's happening now and saying this isn't true for women, that they haven't been subjugated or treated unfairly. It is true, it's undeniable, it's indisputable. So shut up and say you're sorry. But I've never dated a comic, and people are always like, Oh my god, you and Joe Coy must just laugh your asses off, laugh your asses (laughs) off. I'm like, Not quite. I go, We do laugh our ass (laughs) off but like when you're two comedians it's like my comedy's for when I'm on stage, like at this point in my life, like I'm not sitting around being funny all fucking day long by myself. You know,
4: you're just playing chess in the dark to unwind together. Pantsless
1: always. (laughs) I'm always playing chess by myself. And yeah, I've I've become much more serious as I've aged about like wanting my thirst for knowledge or reading the right books and making sure I know what's going on with that. I just read a book about the German war that was like 800 pages. And I was like, fuck, I should have read this a lot sooner. Or, but I've, I have a I have a much greater sense of responsibility to, like, my fountain of knowledge. Like, I need to know more, and I'm, I'm pursuing that always. But when people say, like, oh, you guys must just laugh your asses off all the time, I just want to be like, no, it's not like <laughs> you're sitting here writing jokes for each other all day long. Is it like that for you guys, or how do you feel about that kind of comment?
4: We work on jokes together. I mean, I think we make each other laugh a lot. But we're also very intense people, so we also complain a lot and bicker a lot. And yeah, when we're we're making fun of stuff and running jokes by each other, I think we probably laugh the least when we're running jokes by each other and like working (laughs) on jokes you know where you're like is this funny you're like yeah that's good that's really good you should write that down and then when we are just hanging out or watching movies or watching TV shows or, or whatever that's when we laugh the hardest when we're just being stupid but when we're actually working on jokes it's not funny at all it's just like That will work. That's good.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And what do you like about being on the road? Because I know, are you on tour right now?
4: I am on tour right now. Yeah, we had to reschedule my uh, New York shows this weekend, unfortunately, because of all the COVID stuff. So I was supposed to be doing Town Hall and the Beacon this weekend, and we had to move them to April. But I'm back on tour after a few weeks off this weekend. So I'm going to be in Portland and Seattle. And then, like, I go to Michigan and I think, like, Omaha and all these other places. So I'm on tour until, like, May. And then I need a break because my next Netflix special is coming out in the next couple months here. So I'm like, I need a minute (laughs) after that. Because I've also been on tour kind of nonstop since last year. I mean, before I was vaccinated, I was doing clubs that were like very spread out, like 40% full. And then once I was vaccinated, I was just back on the road and I was doing it every weekend. I wasn't doing the self-care stuff I had been doing before the pandemic where I was like, I'll do two or three weekends a month. Cause I need to keep my sanity. I was like, put me on the road as much as humanly possible. So I have not had a ton of time off in the last nine, 10 months.
1: Yeah. And I think being on the road, it's like, it doesn't matter at what level you're doing it. You know, I've been on tour for the last four or five months too, and just have this one month off. And it doesn't matter if you're flying privately, if you have a tour bus, it just wears on you because you are exhausted. Every morning you feel hungover whether you've had a drink or not. That is how I feel on tour. It's like, it is a wellness game. And then you just give up on the wellness, right?
4: Yes. You're just getting through it. Like, I kept thinking I had COVID every time I came back from a weekend and I'd get tests and they'd be negative. And then I realized it was because I was just living in survival mode for like three days where I got home and I took a minute to like unclench all my muscles. And I was like, Oh, you're not drinking four cups of coffee a day anymore just to get by. Like you didn't wake up to get on a plane at 6am after three hours of sleep. Like you are recovering monday and tuesday and then wednesday or thursday you have to go back out and start the cycle over again yeah totally
1: it's just it is and then what do you do during the day when you're on the road do you go out and about or do you just hunker down in your hotel room
4: it depends i try to get out i've been trying to be better about it it depends where you are obviously like if you're going back to one of those cities that you're like i swore i'd never then you're like i'm gonna stay in the hotel. But if you're in a cool place, like if you're in Chicago or or wherever else, you're like, I want to go to the restaurant I like, or I want to go see something. My buddy, Dustin Nickerson, who goes on tour with me, that's made a huge difference having like one of my best friends with me on the road. Because before it was just me by myself. And that's very isolating and draining. And it's hard to motivate yourself to go out and do anything. It's hard to motivate yourself to go find a cute coffee shop or a place to get breakfast. Like before I was just finding a grocery store and like bringing like bags of spinach and hummus back to my hotel room with a mini fridge. Like it was so sad. So now that I have like a buddy with me, it's much easier to motivate myself to get out and try to experience where I'm at in the country because, you know, it's, this is so much of our lives. Like for a while I was like, okay, the road is my job and then I'm going to come home and have my life. And now I try to treat the road with as much importance as I do my life at home because it's... 50% 50% of my time, if not more.
1: Yeah, I like that. You're right about that. I need to be better about that, too. I used to be a lot better, and now I just am like, uh oh, I, I have to conserve my energy. You know, I have this idea that it's like, I have, all I have is what I'm going to put on the show that night, you know, and I want to. Yeah. But it, it is good for the soul to be out and about in these places and have a little bit of culture. It's good to get out there and, like, meet people, and see what's going on in those cities, even if it does, if you do find it depressing or whatever. It all kind of adds up, and it is a huge part of our lives so there's really no disputing that so on this podcast we take callers they could zoom in and we give them our advice so we're going to go ahead Catherine, right and take our first yes. call or zoom or what i still don't know how this podcast works Taylor. Okay. Every,
2: every week it's a new adventure i'm like wait what is someone coming in live <laughs> i'm going to make us take a quick break for ads and then we'll come okay. back with uh, an email and a caller
1: Order your books now. And with 25% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. So go to books.com and use promo code Chelsea, C H E L S E A, for 25% off. That's B O U Q S.com, promo code Chelsea.
3: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA.
0: He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed.
6: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
0: Tired of hair removal tools that just don't cut it? Conair Air Girl Bomb gives you smooth, flawless results while putting you firmly in control.
6: So, follow the seven right now.
2: And we are back. I actually have something I wanted to tell Taylor. I'm sure we're not related, but my last name is Law, but I'm actually a Tomlinson. Oh, are you? Yeah, my dad's biological father's last name is Tomlinson, so I've got lots of Tomlinson cousins and aunts and uncles, and according to the person who did our Ancestry.com, it's Illinois Farmers back as far as the eye can see on that side.
4: Oh, wow. Two Tomlinsons. Yeah, sometimes I get messages from people like... Are any relation to Tomlinson's <laughs> over here and I'm like not nope, that I know nope. of but
1: who knows <laughs> yeah, yeah, you never really know I mean how would we know who we're related
4: to Yeah, <laughs> I guess you put your spit in a vial and yeah. you mail it somewhere yeah. I've, I've never done like 23andMe but that's what it is right yeah
2: mm-hmm. I have some uncles who so I'm sort of like hmm, should you be worried <laughs> I, I, so part of me is like if I did do that and like caught a bad guy even if I was related to said bad guy what a thrill I think it would be <laughs> thrilling So our first question comes from just Initial P. And Taylor, because of your background with religion and all that stuff, I thought this would be a good question for you guys to tackle together. P says, Dear Chelsea, I'm writing to ask for help and explaining to my girlfriend why it's not the best idea for her to get baptized just because her grandmother wants her to. Her grandma believes she won't see her in the afterlife unless she's baptized. Neither my partner nor I grew up in religious households. We believe in higher powers, but certainly not the sweet baby Jesus her grandma believes in. My girlfriend feels that getting baptized will make her grandma happy, but doesn't fully understand why folks get baptized, the personal choice behind it, the religious beliefs behind it. I'm no scholar in the subject, and I don't think you are either. However, I do believe you may have some great insight on why my girlfriend shouldn't get baptized just to
4: appease grandma.
1: Well, Taylor, why don't you start, and then I'll follow up.
4: I mean, I don't know if this is a dumb answer, but I'm kind of like, how much do you love your grandma? Like, does it matter, really? Like, if you get dunked in some water, if you don't believe in it, then it really just comes down to do you want to do your grandma a favor and make her feel good? Because I, I don't think you should do anything that you're not comfortable with. And you don't want to do it. Cause like, I don't know that I could personally do something like that. Like I know that I've told my grandma who I love more than anything in the world. Like I'm not a Christian and I'm scared. I won't be a part of this family. And she was like, Oh my God, of course not. You'll always be a part of this family. And I'm like, yeah, but you do think I'm going to hell. And she's like, well, you know, I, I don't know what to say to that. And so that's
1: comforting.
4: <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's just, it is what it is. Like if you don't believe that being baptized means anything, then it's up to you if you feel comfortable doing that just to make your grandma happy or if that feels not authentic to you and you don't want to lie. It's such a personal decision. I can't even say, like, this is what you should absolutely do. But yeah, I I mean, if my grandma wanted me to get baptized and I wasn't Christian, I would probably say, like, you know, I don't actually believe what you believe, and I understand that that's hard for you. I maybe would go, I could get baptized if you want, but know that if I don't believe it, then it's probably not going to do anything, right? Like, if you want me to get baptized, but you know I don't believe in Jesus, I don't think it's gonna matter. It sounds like your grandma just wants you to be something you're not. It sounds like she just wants you to be religious, and if you're not... It's not going to work. Yeah, I I would
1: say I'm going to say something surprising. And I would say, first of all, if you really don't believe in it, then who gives a shit? then do it. for yeah. Like, if you just want to make your grandmother happy so she can die peacefully knowing that she's having her believe she's going to see you in the afterlife, go get baptized. Like, yeah. if you don't believe in it, it's not it's no harm, no foul. Like, if somebody in my life that I really cared about or respected wanted me to do that, I probably would just because it doesn't make a difference to me because I don't believe in that. So I have no problem getting dunked in water by a priest and eating that cookie or whatever <laughs> happens afterward. It's not a big deal. and And I feel like I do have a soft spot for older people like religious older people they do believe they're not going to see their family again and I almost have more compassion for that than being obstinate in your own belief system
4: yeah yeah that's that's kind of how I felt too it's it's more so just like if you're gonna do it and feel bad about it don't do it but yeah if you don't care then just do it
1: yeah peace so there you go I mean you could do it or you cannot do it but let us know what happens <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Fantastic. Problem solved. We have a huge, we have a great track record on this show, Taylor, so just watch out. <laughs> we solve them all, just about. Okay, our next question, and we have this color on the line, comes from Shannon. I thought this would also be a great question for you, Taylor, because she's sort of having a quarter-life crisis. Shannon says, Dear Chelsea, I'm turning 30 next month, and looking back on my 20s, I wish I'd let myself have more fun. Money has been tight since graduating college, as my husband and I both have large amounts of student debt. Stress around money has been a big factor in our lives, affecting each of our personal happiness and sense of self-worth, and causing a lot of strain on our marriage. I think we also let money challenges stop us from having fun. What advice do you have for me going into my 30s? What are some ways that you put your stress aside and have fun, particularly that don't involve spending money? Shannon. Hi, Shannon. Hi. Hi, this is Taylor.
7: Hi, Shannon.
1: Hi.
2: Okay, so you're
1: stressed about money all the time. That must be really, that must take up a lot of your energy, right? It does. Yeah, and so how do you guys manage the stress? Do you spend a lot of time budgeting?
7: Do you spend a lot of time saying no to things? I I think that my husband and I have different methods. Like I think for him, it's hard to even look at it. So I spend a lot of time, I feel like almost just staring at it. I guess budgeting, but almost feeling like, how do I move things around, you know, like, oh great, I can balance transfer this and do this here or whatever, like trying to be strategic. And my husband, I think he just kind of shuts down. And for him, it's intimidating. He's just like, well, we don't have enough money to do anything, so whatever. And I'm trying to be more solution oriented so that becomes challenging.
1: Yeah, I bet that is challenging. But I mean, I think there are so many things you can do without spending money and without taxing it. A, you probably have to open up a little better line of communication with your husband so that you guys can kind of handle it together, because for you to be spearheading it must be really stressful
0: also. Yeah.
1: I know my boyfriend doesn't like to talk about anything negative like if anything bad in the world happens he's just like like the news politics anything like that he shuts down and I'm like so I'm supposed to just fucking deal with all of this myself you know so I can understand that there's that imbalance kind of creates a lot of stress but there are so many things that you can do that not only you can do for free but that will add to your like quality of life to add to your de-stressing you know just being outside in nature going for hikes go Going for long walks through the woods, you know, finding the areas around where you live where you can experience like nature in a nice, fun, cool way. And that it's like a double dose because it's free and it's going to lend to your happiness and level of happiness. And I think once you you, you just have to make a real effort each day to... Relieve that part of your day where you're where you're so hyper focused on the finances. You're gonna be okay. You've been okay this far. You have a track record to prove to yourself that you're going to be okay moving forward, even if finances are tight. Mm-hmm. So, what kind of stuff do you guys do together?
7: Mostly watch TV. I mean, we in non COVID times we like to go to the movies. Definitely, lately we've been a little bit less active. So. And I think too, it's like another, another struggle where my husband, he does like to go hiking and stuff, but not as much. And even something as simple as like, oh, let's go walk the dogs. Like he's, he's just not always up for it. (laughs) And sometimes that's frustrating, but I also have to remind myself, well, like I can go do that myself too. I'm still going to get value out of doing that on my own rather than just not doing anything.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think it's really important for you to do that on your own because sometimes the way to attract another person is just to enjoy yourself on your own, you know, by you going Mm -hmm. out and doing those things, coming back in a brighter mood and a happier kind of state of mind and him being like, oh, I miss that. I mean, when I met Joe, he never worked out a day in his life, and I would just get up every morning, and I'm serious about working out and being, like, Mm -hmm. healthy, and after a week, he's like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not sitting here sleeping while you work out. I'm going to level up. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I didn't even ask him to do that. I never expected him to work out. I didn't know. Meanwhile, now he's ripped after two weeks of it. And I'm like, "Uh, this is a little bit uneven. (laughs) But Taylor, what do you what do you have to say about that when you're struggling with finances? Because we've all been there. Everyone's experienced that. Well, not everybody, but most people.
4: Yeah. I had a question. Where do you live? I live in Las Vegas. Oh, so there's a lot of nature. things. You could do. Oh my God, that's. I mean, the people watching in Vegas alone (laughs) is because I'm not. When I go to Vegas to perform, I'm not like a big. I don't gamble or drink or anything, so I do a lot of just like people Mm -hmm. watching, which is very entertaining to me. Do you have kids? No. Oh, so that's great. So it's really just you and your husband. It sounds like the fact that you guys handle this stuff so differently, I so relate to that. Because I also have a partner who like doesn't like to plan ahead and if something's stressful just kind of like doesn't want to deal with it right away. And it sounds like hearing you talk it just sounds like you are feeling like it's kind of all on you right now. Is he bringing this stuff up as well like everything you wrote in like is he communicating that he's feeling that too or is it just kind of you feeling it on your own and wondering if he does too.
7: No, I mean, we like kind of talked recently, I generally would say that our communication isn't great. But we did talk pretty recently and had like a more serious conversation than we've had in a long time. Mm -hmm. And so I know it's both on our minds. And we're both trying to kind of figure out together, but also for ourselves, how do we, we're definitely in like a slump just in general. And how do we kind of like, pull ourselves out of that? Because I mean, we are actually doing exciting things. We're buying a house right now. And, you know, we didn't think that that was going to probably be possible for another several years. And so it's like we even have these positive things happening. And it's like we're so nervous something's going to happen and our loan's not going to go through or or whatever. So it's like just finding that way to, like, pull ourselves out of that and not being the greatest at communicating along the way. Yeah.
2: And I know you mentioned when we had our pre-interview call as well, you just started a new job. So that's very exciting and congratulations Mm -hmm. on that. But I wonder if there are any free counselors in the area that you guys could go see just to talk through some of these things because, you know, it shouldn't all just fall to you. I know like in my household, I manage most of the money, but it's not necessarily because my husband isn't there to talk about it. He would be happy to, but I don't know, maybe it's a little bit more that I'm like, okay, I want to be the boss of this and make the decisions. And he kind of just goes with the flow, which is great. But it sounds like you need a little bit more support in that area. And then I also wonder if, you know, I know you said it's a lot of college debt. And I, that can kind of feel like you're looking down the barrel of years and years of the same. And it can feel really overwhelming. But I wonder if there's anybody that you can see who can help consolidate some of that, or if there's any changes that can be made to like how long you're paying it off, um, just to give you guys a little more breathing room.
7: Yeah, I look at I actually look at that constantly. I've refinanced okay. already. Okay. <laughs> uh, right now we're waiting to close on the house. And then we're gonna try to look again at some of those options too. go. Ahead. go ahead. Yeah. And in a good way to like, you know, bring a little bit of like bright
1: and lightness into your life. Like you have a new job, right? You have new people you're working with, like you can do things that cost nothing. You can have not that like this is something I've ever done, but I've heard about it. You know, you can have like group cooking classes with people from your work or friends. You can have a book club. You can just have these little kind of, you could join a volleyball league. You could do any of these things that are going to add to your mental fitness and health and alleviate some of the stress. Because whenever we're stressed, we're lacking endorphins. That's what we're lacking, you know, always. Mm-hmm. It's their serotonin and it's our endorphins. And getting outside and being social with other people and taking your attention off of yourself a lot of the time, you're already paying enough attention to yourself and your finances and your, you know, your situation. So a lot of time our stress gets alleviated when we put our focus elsewhere, you know, and you can f- find ways to integrate your, you know, your social life with your work life or have a night of the week where everybody comes over and you have like a potluck dinner and you're socializing with people. That's always going to bring everybody up or you you join a softball league or whatever sport you find interesting or a book club, you know, there's something for everybody and it's just about when you said pulling myself out of this, that's exactly right. You're in charge of pulling yourself out of this. You're in charge of making your mood a little bit brighter. And you don't necessarily need him to do that. Sometimes when you lead, other people will follow. Start with yourself. And then, you know, hopefully it will be a natural progression in addition to finding a counselor. You know, we do ads for better help all the time. That's like online cheap counseling where you can talk to somebody and bounce stuff off of them. But it's not a hopeless situation by any stretch of the imagination. And you're not alone. I mean, everybody is struggling with college debt. Luckily, I didn't get into college. So that's not an issue for me. But (laughs) everybody is struggling with this kind of stuff. And so you should take some solace also knowing that you're not alone. It's not unique to you. And remember that you got yourself this far, you're going to get yourself through the next phase of your life. And enjoy that you're about to buy a house. Like, that's huge, (laughs) right? Instead of stressing about what can go wrong and operating out of fear, operating out out of, like, abundance. Like, this is wonderful. What else are we going to be able to do? Try and take the negative lines of thinking and turn them into positives. Like, what if our loan doesn't go through? What if our loan does go through? And then this is such a success that we go get another house. And then we start flipping houses. Whatever the dialogue is that's going to get you excited about it, I think is integral to, like, getting your mind into a happier state of being. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I super relate to that feeling of like, oh, I'm so excited to be taking this next big step, but like, what if something horrible happens? I just constantly live in that place. And something that my therapist always says to me is like, don't freak out about something until it's actually happening. Because if it actually happens, it's not going to have served you to have been miserable up until the point it happened you either can be positive until something bad happens and then deal with it once it's here, or you can be positive and maybe nothing ever happens that you're worried about. And so I just wanted to say, I completely get how you feel in that regard. And I know how hard it is to like stay present and stay excited and stay positive about what's going on in your life. But just know that like, if something bad happens, you can be upset about it then, (laughs) you know, like don't don't get ahead of the bad thing in this way of thinking of like, well, if I am afraid of it, it won't happen. Cause it's gonna happen if it's gonna happen. And you deserve to feel happy and excited about something great that's happening for you.
7: You're so right. Cause I spend so much time doing that now that you say it like a hundred percent, I live like that all the time.
4: Yeah, same. It's brutal. Yeah, and
7: it's
1: the power of your thoughts, right? It's the power of positive thinking, that old book where it talks about your thoughts have an impact on your on the way you live your life, and it becomes a cycle. So the great news is it's easy to change your habits. It's easy to like change your negative thinking over time into positive thinking. And then that brings in a little bit more positivity, and then it turns into a lot of positivity, and you realize how strong your mind is, you know? So you, you're in charge of getting yourself kind of out of this little rut that you're in, which is not the end of the world— you recognize it, you're calling in, talking to us today about it. So I think you're gonna be all fine. You just have to switch your script a little bit, flip it.
2: Thank you. Yeah, and Chelsea, I liked what you said too about doing stuff in groups, because it is you that has to get you out of it, but not alone, like you don't have to be doing it alone. I mean, a lot of what Chelsea suggested was group activities and I think that's really helpful.
7: Yeah, and I think that makes sense too for, I didn't mention that my new job is also working with my husband and we work very well together which is actually no problem. We've worked together before and it's great, but it is definitely something that I want to focus on moving into this job, just finding ways to like, like you said, find a book club or find other ways that I can make new friends, spend time with friends I already have. And I haven't seen in forever because my day to day is definitely not going to be, there just won't be as many people in the picture as some of my previous jobs.
1: Last ski season, I remember I was up here, I'm in Canada, and I love to ski. And one day I just was in this terrible mood, and I just, I was supposed to ski with four of my friends, and I just blew them all off. And I said, no, I'm not skiing today, I lied. But I went out by myself. And I ran into them, and I was like, oh shit, I just got caught, you know, (laughs) totally red-handed. But the, the way that my mood elevated, just by being around other people, that I was going to shut myself away from I was going to shut myself down from that and then it just came at me and by the end of the day I was in a completely different spirit so you really have to pay attention to being around other people and the benefit that that has on your mental space does that sound good Shannon do you feel like you got some decent advice
7: I do I have a lot of things to think about for sure
1: (laughs) Yeah. And also start instilling like the positivity into your conversations with your husband because it's infectious. And when people are upbeat and fun, like it's catchy. Yeah.
7: Thank you. Thank you. Okay.
1: Thanks for calling.
7: Thanks, Shannon. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Bye.
2: Bye. Bye. Well, our next call comes from Christina. She's 25. She's an attorney in Miami. Oh well, shit. Uh, Hello, yeah. she's got her <laughs> shit together. She absolutely does. She's uh, quite a does winner. She have a reality show. Yet? <laughs> <laughs> she says, "Dear Chelsea, I'm writing about a very close friend of mine who I love dearly, but sometimes oversteps her boundaries by subtly opinionating on my relationship." For context, I recently became a lawyer. I'm a first generation college student and the first person ever in my family to go to law school. I worked my ass off until I graduated at the top of my class and passed the bar exam with flying colors. My boyfriend of three years works a respectable but mundane job, doesn't really have any passion for work or career goals, and really enjoys playing video games and watching sports. Nonetheless, he loves me deeply, he is and has always been incredibly supportive, and he devotes himself to my happiness. He's a good man, and I love him more than I've ever loved anything. My friend, who I met in law school, knows how hard I've worked and has told me many times how much she admires me as a person, and I too admire her. My boyfriend, on the other hand, she does not approve of. I know deep down she's probably just protective of me and thinks I can do better, probably another lawyer or a banker or something. That's fine, she's entitled to her opinion, but I really dislike when she makes passive-aggressive comments about my relationship. For example, she sends me memes about lazy boyfriends with overachieving girlfriends and makes jokes about him to me. It really hurts me, and it hurts to know she thinks I'm settling. And in all fairness, she's never had a relationship in her entire life, so it also seems very hypocritical to judge mine. How do I tell her to back off without causing a rift in our friendship or coming off as condescending? Love, Christina. Hi, Christina.
5: Hi.
1: Hi, this is Taylor. Hi. Okay, so, well, first of all, congratulations on being such a badass and having your law (laughs) degree at 25 years old, practicing in Miami. That's fucking cool. First generation college student. I love all of it. So, congrats on all of that. Thank you so much. Um, I like that you recognize that your boyfriend likes to play video games and has no ambition and (laughs) has no drive. That's also really sweet because you know what? You're not judgmental at all. You're not judging him. And not a lot of people are capable of not judging people. I know that I'm not. So
5: have you spoken to your friend about this yet? Well, first of all, I want to say I recognize that I've known I wanted to be a lawyer since I was 12 years old. And so I've worked for it, but that's a gift. And to him, a job is just a means to an end. And I think that that's totally fine. I mean, he's still working, you know, I'm not like picking up the slack or anything like that. So it's fine. I haven't said anything to her for a couple of reasons. I know for a fact that it's nothing personal, you know, she doesn't dislike him as a person. It's just that she really wants the best of the best for me. And so I guess in her mind, these few character traits that she doesn't like takes him out of the running. But I do know that it's coming from a good place. And then I have to remind myself that she hasn't ever been in a serious relationship. So she just kind of still has this idea that, you know, love is like the movies and, you know, somebody sweeps you off their feet and then they never disappoint you again. (laughs) And I mean, I, through my relationship learned that That's not what it is. Relationships are work, and nobody's perfect. But when you really love someone, you love them for their flaws, and as long as they're a good person and they treat you well, then you work through the rest. And so I've never really wanted to tell her, well, you know, you've never been in a relationship, so how would you know what the gives and takes are? Because it comes off really condescending, and she can be a little bit fragile, so I don't want to hurt her either. So now I haven't ever talked to her about it. I kind of just like laugh it off.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think there's a really easy, nice like solution to just you can either send her an email and then follow up with a conversation, but a loving one just saying, listen, I love you so much. I cherish our friendship, but it really hurts my feelings when you are passively aggressive about my boyfriend or you're making judgments or sending me memes like we both know who you're talking about. This (laughs) is my relationship, not yours. No friend has ever decided their girlfriend's relationship for them. So that's a huge she should learn that lesson early on anyway, because you can't do that. You can't control who your sisters, your brothers, or your friends are going to date. They're going to date who they want, just like you're going to date who you want, and you're going to love who you love. You can say this in a very tender way, like, you both are so important to me. You know, he's never once said anything about you, or I don't know if that's true or not, but it's not true, (laughs) right? Of course not. He's probably like, fuck her. (laughs) But you just have to really just map it out because you're not giving her enough credit or respect by not addressing it.
5: I've never thought of it that
1: way, it's true. If someone's disappointing you and, and they're not loving somebody that you love, you have to show her the amount of respect that you're gonna show, that you show your boyfriend, right? The amount of respect that you show yourself. You wanna be respectful to her and your relationship and say, this isn't cool with me, I'm so sorry, but it hurts my feelings every time you mention his lack of ambition or drive. Like Those might be important things to you, but what's important to me is my ambition my drive. I'm not looking for that necessarily in this relationship or with my boyfriend. I supply that for myself. And, you know, you don't have to mention that she's never been in a relationship because that's a little judgmental, I think. Taylor, what do you think?
4: I mean, if she wants you to date another lawyer, when would you see another lawyer? (laughs) Like, I'm sure your (laughs) workload is insane. Like, I know a few people who have gone through law school And I just like didn't see them for years. And then they had like a couple months off and now they work very demanding jobs. Like I think that a lot of relationships, if one person is in a field that's like very demanding and high stress, it works very well to have somebody else who is like, yeah, I have a job. I like it. But like I like a job I can leave at work and come home and relax and play video games and love my partner. Like I think it sounds like you're in a great relationship with someone who balances you out. And I think it's really beautiful and actually pretty empathetic that you're like, I haven't talked to her about it yet because she's ever been in a relationship. And I understand that from her perspective, it probably looks like this. Like, I think you are an incredibly impressive, mature person, but yeah, I totally agree with Chelsea. Like, you know, trust your friend enough that she will be able to handle you saying very directly, Hey, I love you so much. I'm sure you don't mean anything by this, but it really hurts my feelings. This is my partner. It's okay if you don't understand, but I I just can't keep acting like I'm okay with these comments because I I know I laugh them off, but I'm really not.
2: And they're also, you know, because she hasn't ever had a relationship like that there also may be a fair amount of jealousy there so i think you know like they both said coming at this from a place of kindness and a place of love and just like considering that she might be hating on him because she sees how happy you actually are and like that's her place to nitpick when she's never really had that in her life might be might be pretty big
1: i also think taylor made a salient point like yeah. What if you were to date another lawyer? When the hell would you guys be getting <laughs> yes. together? Like that would be such an two like people who are working their asses off. That doesn't make necessarily for a good match. You need somebody who's going to be there when you get home. That's going to like support you and and have stuff waiting for you for dinner when you get home and be there to like, snuggle with and all of the things that you want to make yourself feel better. So that's a great point to bring up too. like th- that's what her idea of you is, not what your idea of what you want is
5: yeah i mean i i actually went to law school with the idea that i would meet you know my future husband there but i actually started dating him right before i got to law school (laughs) so that didn't work (laughs) out but it really was for the best because now i definitely don't ever want to date another lawyer after i'm done working i don't even want to talk to other lawyers anymore (laughs) um and he has always been the one you know to tell me basically you're doing too much like you're fine you've got this you've studied hard you know for the last three and a half, you know, almost four years. And that to me is just way more important than, you know, introducing him at cocktail parties and and saying what he does.
1: Yeah, no, it sounds like you know yourself and you're pretty secure and self-assured. And those are really the most important qualities you can have. So, yeah, it'll be an easier conversation than you think. And just remember when you're having it or you're writing an email, however you decide to, uh, you know, approach it, just remember like you're doing this out of love and respect.
5: Yeah. That's that's true. I definitely should give her some more credit. And I'm sure she knows deep down that it is hurtful because sometimes she does backtrack and she'll be like, sorry, not to, you know, do exactly what I'm doing, but (laughs) not to (laughs) dig at him. But
1: and also when you do have these conversations with your friends, like I want to remind everybody that more often than not, you become closer to them.
5: Yeah,
1: that's true.
5: I'm just non confrontational with her because She does tend to take things a little personally, but she's also pretty self-aware. So I think that she would be able to recognize. And as long as I, like you guys said, like tell her not mentioning that she hasn't been in a relationship, but just that this is somebody that I love and you're somebody that I love. And it will be really awkward if I do marry this guy and you're a bridesmaid. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I think I am gonna have that conversation with her. Good.
1: And are you thinking about marrying your boyfriend? Is that a real thing?
5: You know, we have definitely talked about it. I have no plans of not being with him forever. Like, there's no reason I wouldn't want to marry him. But just that we're young and I just got out of school and this is my first year working. And I kind of want to see, you know, where my career takes me and and all this stuff. I feel like I'm not really running to walk down the aisle. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Don't get married at 25. Just wait. That's just good advice from anybody. And for anybody.
5: Yeah, it's been a long time, but um, I think that we'll both continue to grow. And I want to accomplish some more personal goals to me before I get married. And that requires some, like, you know, splitting up my attention. But we're
1: good. Well, well, awesome. Well, good. Sounds like the problem solved. So let us know what happens after you talk to your friend, okay? I will. All right. Thanks for calling in, Christina. Thanks. Bye. 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 We had such genuine, sweet women calling in today, Catherine. Yeah, like really earnest. Oh, yeah. I wish I was that nice when I was 25. (laughs) I was such a cunt. Like, they're so, (laughs) so sweet and real. This generation is just I mean, not this generation, that generation after (laughs) mine is just just feels like much uh, more earnest. You know, in a good way.
2: Yeah. And just like trying to look out for her friend's feelings, even while her feelings are getting hurt. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that that makes me think of, too, is just like our job being our whole life or having to make our passion our job, I feel like is a very not just American concept, but it is very cultural. Like not every culture has the ideal that your job has to be everything to you and like give you spiritual fulfillment and all this stuff. Like it's actually okay if someone's job is just a means to an end, and they're pulling their weight and being good to someone in a relationship. Uh, well, it, it was interesting because when Taylor was saying that
1: earlier, you know, like more than fifty percent of your time is on the road, and you want to incorporate your life into your work and your work into your life. Like I, when I was younger, I was like, I worked, 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 worked and I was just like, no, I'm not going to do this my whole life, you mm, know. Mm-hmm. And now that I take time and I take set time aside for long breaks and I treat myself to to like the vacations that I always dreamt about going on, you know, I am able to give so much more to my work life when I'm doing it and to be so Mm -hmm. laser focused because I reward myself in these other ways, which is like, you know, personal growth and being able to become a great skier, which was important to me and whatever is important to, you know, whoever you are, whatever's important to you. But it is a very Americana thing to be like, my work is my life and my life is my work. And when you're in the entertainment industry, it does bleed together because it's all about what you're doing. When you're not working, you know, it becomes the same thing. So I think a lot of us can
2: relate to that too. Yeah. Do you find that as
4: well, Taylor? Oh, absolutely. I think it's really beautiful that she has somebody in her life that is able to say, Hey, slow down, appreciate how hard you've worked and recognize that you can take time for yourself now. And it doesn't need to be this endless race to the vision. Like you did it. You're a lawyer. It's, it's amazing. Like I think that for high achieving people like her, it is so important to have people like that in your life to remind you to take care of yourself so you don't just become this slave to your career. Yeah.
2: And like, I know she's not thinking about marriage yet, but if they were to have kids in the future, it's like if she has to work late nights, he's there, you know, he's there holding down the fort like I think Chelsea said, he's got dinner ready when you come home. Yeah, that's the way of the world. That's the way it's going. Men are going to stay at home, raise children
1: until we can force them to birth them. And then (laughs) the tables are going to be reversed. So everybody (laughs) just get ready. Okay? And a lot of men are signing up for this. A lot of my friends are dating men that are stay-at-home dads that are killing it, that are great fathers, you know, and that have no problem with their women or their wives, their women, their women being more (laughs) successful, you know, and being the breadwinners. Like, that's... I see men doing that. I'm like, fuck,
2: that's sexy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, our last email comes from Jenny. She says, Dear Chelsea, my 21-year-old daughter and I are both big fans. I'm writing because my daughter is really angry with me due to the fact that she heard me having sex with a 27-year-old rando. I've apologized, but she will not forgive me. She called me disgusting, perverted, slutty, and all kinds of terrible things, and now she won't speak to me. She seems most upset by the age difference. I'm 46. I want to be a role model and teach her how to own her sexuality, be sexually positive, etc. so it's hard for me to acknowledge and validate her anger because I kind of feel like a badass. The man is not someone I will ever see again or ever ask her to meet. After being married and a mom for the past 25 years, I'm ready to live my life on my own terms, but I feel super shitty about my adult daughter's vitriol. "'Have I traumatized her? "'Am I a monster for choosing myself? "'When is it okay for me to live? "'Most importantly, how can I get her to forgive me? "'Can you get her to forgive me? "'I think she'll listen to you. "'I miss her. "'I love her.'" Hugs and kisses. We both love you. So, Jenny. Yes,
1: absolutely. I want you to forgive your mother, Jenny. Listen to me. You do not want to be sitting there angry at your mom. Just get over that part. I understand hearing your mother have sex is not ideal. So that's a separate issue. But- (laughs) You don't want to spend your time being mad at your mother. She loves you. You love her. It's unsettling what happened, but you can get past that. As for the mother, yeah, you want to live your best life, but you want to be respectful of your children and their feelings, too. This is coming from a parent. And you want to make sure that you know, you know, that there are boundaries and Letting your daughter hear you have sex is not ideal. So you know that you made a mistake or a misjudgment and you've apologized. I would just say apologize again, mean it, and then give her her space for her to come back when she's okay to talk to you again. And don't push it anymore. Just let her come back. And to the daughter, when you are ready to do that, do that. I think it's a really tricky situation when women are coming into their own and going through divorces and they have children and how do you balance your sex life? And because that's no one who wants to hear their parents having sex. I mean, I'm still scarred from walking in on my parents when I was eight. You know, I haven't gotten that image out of my mind. So I can only imagine what it's like as an adult to hear that. But these aren't life or death issues. You know, this is nothing to be serious, that serious about, seriously angry about. Taylor?
4: Yeah, I, I guess I'm just confused I'd like more details on the situation. Like, why did she hear you? Like, did you have somebody over? Does your daughter live at home with you? Does she go to college? Like, does she not live with you? Did she come home when you thought she wasn't going to be home? Did you have somebody over knowing she was home? Cause if, if you like had somebody over knowing she was home, that I could see is a little bit of like, have some boundaries, you know, your kid's home. But if you didn't know...
2: Yeah. I did email back and forth a little bit with okay. her, and it, it was unintentional, and they do live together. So I don't know if, if she came back home like while it was in progress, but that was kind of the vibe I got.
4: That she didn't think her daughter was coming right. home? Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if if she did her best to make sure that you weren't going to interact with her sex life, then... Why why are you really mad at your mom? Like I would I would challenge you if you're listening to this. If you're not, I would tell your mom to ask you why are you really angry about this? Cuz it's not cool to like call your mom slutty and perverted for having sex with someone younger than her. I understand it making you uncomfortable. I like fully get that. But I I'm just curious why you're so angry. If if it is like how could you do that in the house while I'm there? I understand that. But if that was unintentional, then you might need to just process those feelings on your own and figure out what's underneath it for you. And it might just be that you're uncomfortable with it, but there's not anything technically wrong happening, you know, because there's plenty of things that I react to in a judgmental way that I know is not fair. So you know, I, I don't want to uh, presume to know everything about the situation in your relationship with your mom, but it sounds like, based on the little information that I have, that you are just sort of like grossed out by what you heard by accident, and it's making you angry that you have to even see your mom that way when she's your mom.
1: Yeah, and a small sense of betrayal as like a child, you know, it's kind of a child, yeah, it's a childlike reaction. It's and that's okay. But again, you know, it's not cool to call your mom a slut or, you know, she's not cheating on your dad. She's, she's living yeah. her life. She thought you weren't home like that. You guys both just have to get past it, except that it wasn't ideal. <laughs> Nobody liked this situation. No. <laughs> it it her, her included and move on. You know, there are more important issues you're going to have to face in life than this. So the way you react to difficult situations is like, you know, character building. So remember that.
2: Yeah, and also these days, like, it's not okay to call anybody slutty, especially your mom. And, like, good for you, Jenny. Like, I think it's great. She's experiencing some new things, having some fun. I mean, have some fun quietly when your kid is home or maybe when they're out of town. But, I mean, good for Jenny. Yeah, her daughter definitely doesn't want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it in a little disclaimer, like, muted. Well, just,
4: like, she didn't make you sit down and have breakfast with the guy she banged. Like, yeah. you accidentally hurt her. It's, you know, it sucks. As Chelsea said, it's not ideal, but, and it's okay if you have to be like, mom, I can't talk to you for a little bit. Like, I'm not mad at you. You didn't do anything wrong. I know that logically. My skin is just crawling a little bit because I don't want to think of my mother having sex with someone I would also be trying to date in my age group. Like, (laughs) it's fine to just be self-aware and be like, this is why it weirds me out. I know that Technically, you did nothing wrong and I have no right to be angry with you but I just need to like put some space in between me and the noises you were making
2: ditto yeah and get a white noise machine maybe also <laughs> that's actually great advice
4: yeah that's great advice
2: <laughs> just for all the time anytime yeah just maybe all, something always.
4: with like seagulls <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah seagulls
1: or sirens either one yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Well, we'll take a quick break right now and we'll be back to wrap up with Taylor.
1: Moms are more than the stuff they do for us. The laundry, cooking, and driving. And by the way, dad should be helping with that stuff too. She's got a whole life outside of motherhood. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best and that's why Books is giving you 25% off your entire order of farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Order your books now. And with 25% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. So go to books.com and use promo code CHELSEA, C-H-E-L-S-E-A, for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S scom promo code CHELSEA.
3: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God. We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA.
0: He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed.
6: (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
0: Tired of hair removal tools that just don't cut it? Conair Girlbomb gives you the secret weapons for achieving powerful results with ease. Designed with women in mind, these tools boast the sassy Girlbomb grip for unparalleled handling and precision, along with professional-grade blades to deliver results that you used to only get from men's tools. No more compromising. So to all you incredible women out there, treat yourself to a little Conair Bomb magic. Don't settle for anything less than perfection. Elevate your grooming game with Conair Bomb. Available now at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you.
3: This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.
6: There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time.
1: Well, Taylor, first of all, thank you for being a contributor to today's podcast because I like your, you're very strong minded and you have solid advice and you're sure of yourself, which I think is just the best quality any woman could have.
4: Oh, thank you. I was very nervous about giving advice, (laughs) Uh, but I knew, but I knew you'd be here. So I'm like, well, if I, I don't have any good advice, Chelsea can just take it. (laughs)
1: Yeah, exactly. Whether it's good or bad, at least at least you give it with with the intention that it's crushing. You know, right. you're like, yeah, this is fucking awesome.
4: Yeah, it's like when you're bombing a TV taping and you're like, they'll sweeten it. Yeah. It's okay.
1: <laughs> I know. It's like when I would interview people that were like duds on my shows. Whenever I would interview duds, I'd be like, okay, how do I punctuate this with positivity so that not everybody knows how bored I was during that interview? Right. And then I was like, wait, there's no way to do that. There's no way to fake an interview after you've already had it by saying goodbye with a big smile on your face. <laughs>
4: Totally.
2: Well, Taylor, do you have any advice that you'd like from
4: Chelsea? Oh, my gosh. I mean, so many questions. I guess the question that I would ask you, as somebody who's been very successful in this business, is how do you separate – we've touched on this a little bit in this episode, but how do you separate your self-worth from your career so that it's not all just tied up in how your career is going was that something that you ever had to struggle with? Have you always been good about keeping who you are separate from what you do? Because I think my identity is wrapped up in my job, and part of it is that I've been doing it since I was a teenager, and part of it is just that I'm probably not as well-rounded as I want to be. But that was something that I found during quarantine is that outside of stand-up, I didn't feel like I knew who I was or if I felt like I had much worth if I wasn't working all the time. So my question is, did you struggle with that? Do you struggle with that? And if you have, how do you combat that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the reasons I quit my E! show. I was like, this is all I am. Everyone just... I didn't have a family. I didn't have children. I wasn't married. So I realized, I'm like, is this who I... Everything? Like, my career? Because for me, that that wasn't enough. I wanted to have a personal, like, life that was separate. And I wanted to, like, get more well-rounded, like you said. I've had this exact conversation with myself many times. And anytime time... I've been there, I have just said no to things, to make myself go to the places that I'm uncomfortable with going and existing where, oh, you're no longer the host of a TV show. Okay, well, what are you now? It's like, well, I'm me now. This is what I'm doing now. And having the confidence in yourself to kind of explore that because we don't know all parts of ourselves yet. You know, I still don't. You certainly don't. We're always growing. We're always learning. And it's basically like how high you set the standard for yourself, I think, when you can say no to things. And there's a period of time to do that. And there's a period of, there's a building period, right? You're building your career. You want to be, lay the foundation so that when you do feel confident enough to take some time off or, or go in a different direction, you've already laid the groundwork that any major hiccup or retreat isn't going to have a deleterious impact on your all over career, So I would say that it's just a constant process of, you know, being really honest with yourself, which is really hard, especially in this industry, because half the time I feel like when I start to lose myself and I I don't know myself well or I start to have self-doubt, that's the time that I need to retreat and go do my own thing and like fill up my gas tank with other shit. Mm. So,
4: okay, that's so comforting to hear, because sometimes you feel like nobody else feels that way. Do you know what I mean? Where you're like, well, nobody else who has reached the level of success I'd like to reach feels that way. They're just more balanced than I am, or they're okay with it being that way. So it is so helpful to hear from someone like you that you have gone through periods of that and and just have to be constantly reassessing where you are at and how you feel about yourself and your identity.
1: Absolutely. We all feel that way. You know, nothing that's going through any of our brains is going through one person's brain. We're all in this, like we all have the same thing. So yeah, definitely always remember that for sure, that everybody goes through periods of self-doubt, insecurity, self-worth. And then when you're successful, it's addictive. You want more and more and more and more. And so you just have to be mindful of that. And you're already in therapy, so that's always going to be your best kind of gift to yourself.
4: Right. Absolutely. So where can everybody find you, Taylor? I am at Taylor Tomlinson on Twitter and Instagram, Taylor Tomlinson Comedy on TikTok. Uh, My website's ttomcomedy.com. You can go there for all of my tour dates. I am fully on tour right now. And my Netflix special, Quarter Life Crisis, that came out in 2020 is streaming on Netflix. Awesome.
1: Awesome. I had such a good time with you today.
4: Me too. Thank you so much for having me. This was lovely. Sometimes you do podcasts and you're like, oh no, what did I, what did I agree to? And this was like so nice and I was so excited to do it. Oh,
1: awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm glad we finally spoke and hung out. I hope I see you again soon.
4: Me too. Thank you. So nice to meet you as well, Catherine. Likewise. Nice to meet you, Taylor. Bye-bye.
2: And of course, we can't forget show dates. So what do you have coming up? Okay, yes,
1: I have added more second shows to my stand-up tour. We have two shows in Winnipeg, two shows in Toronto, two shows in Kansas City, Missouri, two shows in Santa Rosa, California. We've added a second show in Los Angeles at the Wiltern, which is May 5th. I'm doing a late show in L.A., We added a second show to Montclair, New Jersey, to Huntington, New York, to Port Chester, New York. I'm going to be in Portland, Oregon, February 4th. Two shows. There are tickets available for the second show. Then I'll be in Eugene, Oregon on February 5th. And then I'm coming to all these fun little cities like Las Vegas, Springfield, Mass., Honolulu, and Maui. So Maui's not a city. It's an island. And when I learn how to pronounce
2: the city I'm performing in, I'll get back to you. Hey, do you have a question you want to ask Chelsea? To get some advice, write into Dear Chelsea Project at gmail.com. Bye.
0: I'm Katya Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control?
1: Hi, Chelsea here. I think we all know that hair loss has the power to kind of shatter your confidence. Not kind of, it really shatters your confidence. And that's where Zion Health comes in. Founded by top doctors in hair restoration, Zion offers both medicated and non-medicated treatments for men and women with thinning hair. Guys, unless you do something or talk to someone, your hair loss will only get worse. I'm not kidding, unfortunately. So get your confidence back on track and visit Zion